Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. You guys, it is snowing in Kansas City today and quite frigid, but that is coming from a Florida girl, so take it for what it is. Anyway, today I get to talk to another KC girl, but she's actually lived here for forever, Crystal Wheeler from Lullaby of Hope. You guys are going to have to bear with us as we talk about weather, weird kid names, and heated blankets, but Crystal and I were really enjoying getting to know each other. Crystal hasn't walked through infertility per se, but she did lose two babies within seven months of each other, one miscarriage and one stillbirth. Her story is heartbreaking, but we talk about who is the Lord when something bad happens to us and how his plan really is better than our own. And then we chat about taking a step in when our friends are hurting instead of taking a step back. I certainly think that it's definitely more difficult. And if we just walk into the holidays with just a lot of grace for one another um, and lessen our expectations and just know that we're broken people trying to help broken people, um, you know, there's going to be some hurt along the way, but by golly, it's worth it. It's worth it to, um, to, to really be vulnerable and to reach out and to love people. You know, that is just who Jesus was. I really can't wait for you guys to hear about her journey and her passion project. So grab your headphones and let's go. So it's Crystal, right? It's not Crystal. You are right. The first, yeah, first try. (laughs) Just Crystal. Do you get called that a lot? Oh my goodness. You know, back in the day. All right, let's talk about that. So I'm 34, but like way back in the day when that, I don't know, that rap song, isn't that like a type of champagne, like Crystal? So like people would always call me that. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) And then my middle name is Lee. And so I would even have people think my first name is Crystal Lee because of the spelling. So thanks, mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. My mom, my mom spelled my name Kaylee, but it looks like Callie. And so I will answer to both. And I'm super graceful about it anytime. I like I have literally had friends that I have been connected with for a long time that have called me Callie. I'm talking about like in life group with them for like months and I just don't have the heart to do it. But every time they say it, my, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And if your name is Callie, I'm sure your name is beautiful. But when your name is Kaylee and they call you Callie, it's like, it matters. Oh, it no, matters. That is not my name. <laughs> yeah. When I, when they, when they like dedicated me at church, um, like when I was a baby, my name's Kaylee Janae and the pastor said, Callie Janet. And ah! my mom was furious. <laughs> and I was like, well, serves you right because you spelled it all wrong oh my gosh so you're a fellow KC girl as well how long have you been in Kansas City oh my whole life I love it here my whole life born and raised yeah I'm I'm new we've been here we've well so now we're on the Missouri side of Kansas City last year we were on the Kansas side of Kansas City um but yeah so we moved here January 6th last year to Kansas side and then February 1st Missouri side oh my goodness what do you think where are you from Florida. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you hear your voice drop? It's so cold. It's like 20. It's so cold. I have a it heater hurts. blowing on me right now. Okay. And the heater's on in the house. Ever since we got that cold front like a week ago, I have been looking at heated blankets nonstop. But I'm also scared. Do you not have one? I don't have one, but I'm also scared to die. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I at least you would die warm because <laughs> that was our first, that was the first purchase we made last year. And I, I, 
we were buying, I mean, like I'm looking at this year, I'm looking into buying the heated blanket throw blankets. So like we have them on our beds, but the throw blankets and they have car blankets now. Let's talk about that. I just discovered that. And I was like, so on the verge of purchasing it. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't be that cozy in the car when you're driving. (laughs) Is that safe? Yes. (laughs) You'd rather be frigid and shivering. I don't know. My car, my car, my car is actually pretty warm, but I, my husband and I were, I so vividly remember seeing them in Walmart last year for the first time uh-huh. and we cackled. We were like, how ridiculous is right. this? And it was seriously like two weeks later, we were like, can, can we we'll go back to Walmart? Five. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll take one for each car, one for the backseat for our daughter. Let's do this. So they were like advertising it as um, like an emergency. Like if there's an emergency to have this um, blanket in your vehicle. And I'm like, it would not stay in a box in the backseat. Like it would be on no. my lap. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They're amazing. It's so cold. Okay. It's just, it's stupid here. I'm yeah, sold. So I love it. To answer your question, I love it. Yay. Um, but, but we are, it's definitely an adjustment every, and this year, gosh, snow before Halloween, it was, I can't, even. it was just a shock to the core. <laughs> well, I'm super glad that you're on the interview and that we were able to make it work. We had a 45 minute headphone debacle, but we made it happen or you and your brother made it happen. Oh, but yes. I think, Bless him. So shout out to you. Thank you, Josh. (laughs) But I think this is a space that we haven't really filled yet. And so I'm really excited to get to that. But before we do, tell us about you and your family. Yes. So as we talked about, I live here in Kansas City. Um, I have my sweet husband, Steve, and um, we have a daughter named Keela, and she's 10. And then my son, Simon, is five. And my little girl, Naraya, is three. So that's us. And we just got a puppy and that's been a whole other situation. (laughs) You got a puppy before winter? Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know what? Oh oh goodness. Here's, here's some truth right here. My husband, uh, he got so stressed with the, the puppy and he like reached out to the lady that we purchased him from and was like, would you take him back? And she messages me. It's like, is everything okay? I heard you guys were struggling. And I was like, what, what just happened here? <laughs> you didn't get your approval before he sent the message. No, no. I think it was oh, like, gosh. you know, at midnight, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. There's two walking the dog in 20 degrees. I think I'd message it too. I'd probably be at her front door. Yeah. Frost. Yeah. It was bad. I'm like, yes. oh my goodness. So yeah, that that's us in a nutshell. And um, yeah, that's my, my little family under my roof. Awesome. So you have three kids, but that's not the whole story. So you 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 say you really haven't experienced infertility, but you have experienced significant loss. So walk everyone through that part of your story. Yeah. So um, as you can tell, I have a bit of an age gap between my oldest and my middle um, child. And when my oldest was um, about two and a half, we experienced a miscarriage. And I was about 15 weeks along um, before we discovered that that baby had passed and had to have a DNC and just really walked through a lot of sadness, a lot of grief. Um, I was a believer, but um, I hadn't really experienced anything traumatic up until that point. Um, And having to walk through who the Lord is when something bad happens to you um, was really trying for Mm -hmm. me. And I just Mm -hmm. felt very sad 
that summer. I just remember being warm and sunny and breezy and beautiful here and just feeling really frail and just feeling like at any moment um, the tears would fall and it was really difficult for me. And then that fall, we got pregnant again and we were cautiously <laughs> excited. Um, I was worried that I was carrying fear over from my prior pregnancy, my prior loss. Um, but really, I feel like it was the Lord's protection. Um, so around our 20-week sonogram um, is when we discovered that our baby was sick. And they found some fluid on her lungs that were not supposed to be there. And of course, my doctor was out of town. So I saw the brand new doctor out of medical school who didn't have great bedside manners yet and was very just mm. kind of cold and medical and um, and Ugh. we're chasing our daughter around, you know, the appointment room and just trying to absorb the information that we're receiving. And later that week, I um, went to the specialist to get a level two sonogram and just to really see what's going on. And at that point, they not only found fluid on her lungs, but also um, on her kidneys. And I thought they just could see better because it was a better type of machine. Um, and they were mm -hmm. trained in this way. But I didn't realize that this fluid was growing and she was dying. And so oh. the next few weeks were just a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of prayers, um, the night that we discovered that she, that this fluid was growing within her, um, we were at home and back in the day, this is when Lecrae first came out and my husband and my daughter were just dancing around the living room. And I remember looking at them really annoyed that they had joy in this moment and that they could, mm. they could dance and they could kind of forget the worries of the, the situation that was at hand. And, um, it was as if the music had stopped and I just heard the lyrics engineered in my mother's womb for God's glory. And I oh. was just silenced. My thoughts went from how dare you God to really like, how dare I question oh. God? It really shifted. And in that moment, I felt mm. immense peace. Um, I felt like ready. Like I just was like, okay, there's a battle going down and God's going to ask me to do some crazy things and I'm going to do it for him. And the situation is not what I expected. It's not what I want, um, mm. but I'll do anything for him. And so my heart just softened and I started to look as like a whole new perspective, um, really using my platform to share the gospel. Um, the Lord, as crazy it sounds, <laughs> asked me to start a blog. Um, and I started blogging about appointments and how I was feeling um, instead of, you know, like having it as my Facebook mm -hmm. status update. Um, I wanted a place where people could come if they're wanting to see it and not just they're scrolling through their newsfeed and all of a sudden they come across this terrible thing that's jolted them mm -hmm. in the middle of their day. And so um, it just, it was, it was cool. Like I really chose to make that time holy and different. And I really thought um, early on, my husband and I were on the same page that that our baby wasn't going to live. Like we knew that God was going to ask something greater for us. And so we um, just really dug in our heels and really 
um, got into the word and gave ourselves space to rest um, and to journal and just to meet with him and just to be available. Um, and like my friends and my family were so good to us. Um, my sweet sister, Meredith, I, oh, I put her through a lot. <laughs> I had her come to appointments with me. Um, she helped me so much along the way. And I did all of it because I wanted to have an opportunity to share about Christ. Um, I wanted people to see that bad things happen to good people. Um, and God is still good in the midst of it, and that his plan is greater than what our plan is for our family. So what did you mean, because you used that same word, that you felt like God wanted something greater for you and your your husband? Most people are like, well, the something great is the miracle. You pray for yeah. a miracle. That's the only thing to do. So what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I think a miracle is so different from, you know, what we mm-hmm. perceive it to be than what God perceives it to be. And I think what we want is like cutting God's like majesty short. If we are like, you know, if I would have had a healthy pregnancy, um, I wouldn't have had my stillbirth with Gracia. Like I, if I didn't lose Gracia, I wouldn't have my son, Simon. Like that's just how um, like the days and the months would have fallen. And to wish away his plan for me is just, it's not, it's not my place. Now he can handle my anger. He can handle my disappointments. And I feel comfortable enough with him that I can voice my concerns to him. But at the end of the day, I want what God wants for me. You know, what he's written in my book is already there and it's planned and I just get to live it out. So obviously your daughter didn't make it. What was the time frame there from when you had that moment in the living room while they were dancing and then that moment. Yeah, it was about four weeks. Wow. Um, so she passed just shy of 24 weeks. And not only was fluid growing within her body, but my um, amniotic sac, like there was a lot of fluid in there. So it literally felt like she was swimming. And even though I was almost six months along, like I looked well over nine months pregnant. Oh, just There was a lot and her movements just kind of lessened. And, um, you know, if you're in the pool and you kick your leg and you can kind of feel how it flickers through the water, like that's how it felt with her in my womb. And so I cherished her movements because they became less and less. And we were a part of, um, raising these kids and the youth group and they're growing into these young adults. And one of our boys came over and he prayed with us one night late at night. It was like 1030 at night. And during his prayer, it was like the last time I felt her kick. And that night um, I was woken up and I just knew she had passed. But um, it was just really in that moment that I knew like it was done, that this this part of my story um, was really complete. And the next morning, um, my sister came with me to just confirm that she had passed. And then all the preparations began Mm. from that point. So uh, did you have to deliver, Gracia? I did. Yeah. And I had to still be dilated fully before I could um, begin delivering her. Um, and man, it was really painful, (laughs) um, physically, not so much emotionally or spiritually. It just physically, it was very painful and I wanted to get an epidural, but they were busy with other mamas 
delivering healthy live babies. And so they gave me something different. And I remember her saying, she's like, it's going to feel like you had a margarita. And I'm like, okay, it did not. (laughs) I was like, I've never had a margarita like that. Like, this is terrible. Um, It was, it was, it was difficult and it was long and it was painful. And um, my doctor was there. And one thing I did before I went into the delivery was I asked my sister to write Ecclesiastes 11.5 across my belly, um, which I'll paraphrase, but it basically just said, like, um, you don't know the wind and that God, you don't know how God forms a baby in a mother's womb. So you cannot understand the ways of the Lord. And I just really wanted to profess to the medical community as they're caring for me, just that, um, cause we didn't have, um, a real answer as to why Gracia passed, but I always said that God just chose Gracia and that was enough for me. Um, for me and for my story, I appreciated that she didn't have, she wasn't given a condition, um, because I wanted to, again, point people to Christ, Um, but during delivery, like my body wasn't ready, even though that she had passed, um, she actually passed on a Thursday and I went in on Sunday to be induced and I delivered her on that Monday. Um, but I just literally felt like the doctor was carving a pumpkin. (laughs) Like she was like digging and just Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that she could get everything out so that I wouldn't have to, um, endure surgery. And it just, yeah, it was, it was a very difficult, um, delivery of course, and had a lot of friends and loved ones come visit us and, um, just sit with us and which I think is so crazy brave of them to even want to come, um, and be with us during such a trying time. Wow. Do you feel like that there was a different closure with your first loss and then Gracia because it was a different situation? Yeah, I, I see purpose in both of them. So, um, yeah, I feel like my miscarriage really prepared me for my stillbirth. Um, and I feel like it was necessary for me as well. Um, and then in the midst, so like my miscarriage was in April and then my stillbirth was in December. Oh. In the midst, um, in August is when, crazy enough, my brother-in-law's wife passed. And she was pregnant. Oh, and so my brother-in-law was so vivacious and so in love with the Lord. And we watched him weep. Okay. Like I have never seen a man cry the way that he cried. And they had a two-year-old son at the time. And um, it just watching him make these necessary decisions for his family, for his um, wife that passed and watching him love Jesus at the same time was remarkable and so life giving to me and it changed my perspective so much. Um, and I just see, even though like we can look back on 2012 and say it was the most traumatic time for our family, it was the most, um, we learned so much. Our growth, our faith like grew leaps and mm. bounds. Um, through all this devastation, all these losses, you know, I was terrified to tell her family that Gracia was going to pass because we had already been through so much that year. I was concerned, like, can they handle this? Like, can they withstand another loss? And, you know, even asking the Lord, like, you know, is this 
is this necessary? You know, um, was, oh goodness, it was, it was challenging, but again, I would, not that I'd want to relive it. I'm very grateful um, that he chose to allow us to go through that and to learn from it. Well, I feel like four weeks, that's a quick time to go from angry to like, I'm going to use this for your glory, no matter what. I mean, you had a quick turnaround. That's, that normally takes people months, if not years to get to that place. So that was just, you're right. God prepared you through every step of that, that year. You know, and honestly, that's just like how God works. Sometimes, you know, we can't put a time frame mm-hmm. on him. And um, and for me really was just such a quick softening in a, in a moment. I mean, it wasn't even a holy second before my heart had completely shifted and I had a brand new perspective yeah. um, on my situation. I just knew, you know, you asked about like why my husband and I thought that he had called us to a greater purpose. We just knew that we weren't going to lose a baby and then just be done with that. And that wasn't, you know, for us to share. It was really um, this opportunity, this gateway to step into people's lives when they're grieving and to be able to point them to Christ. Like we just knew that this was the story that he wrote for us. Um, And, you know, what better person to grab their hand and join but Jesus. So, I feel like I've I heard someone say once, you know, you, I've, I've said it a million times, you know, like, and that's actually my next question for you is I could never, I could just, I could never, I don't know what I'd do if I, you know, if I had to, had to, had, had to deliver a baby that I knew was not going to be alive. Or, you know, I, I think yeah. about my daughter, like I could never face, if y'all are following Ava's story with Lindsay letters, like I could never face yeah. that. And that's, but Someone said one time, well, God hasn't given you the grace to face it because he hasn't asked you to face it. So you, in in your human nature, yeah, you can't handle it right now. But if God says, this is your, this is going to be your journey, he's going to give you the grace to face it. And so that was, that was my next question for you is stillbirth is, um, is on that list where I feel like I could never, I don't know if I could ever come back from that. So how have you, you know, that was December, 2012, you said, how have you dealt with that loss? Have you, how have you healed from it? Have you moved on? Yeah, absolutely. So like definitely give myself um, a lot of grace in that because, you know, I see a lot of people and they mourn differently than what I do. And the way that they choose to mourn is perfect for them. And the way that we choose to mourn is, is perfect and great for us. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of grace with that. And, um, so I just, I do believe that, you know, we look at where as an outsider and we see these tragedies and um, we consider like we cannot endure that. Um, but we just, God has certain things for all of us um, to walk through and it's for our good. It's for the shaping of our character. It's for his kingdom. And so I don't think that we can sit in that fear, but just when you look at the greater scope of things, you consider like life on earth. I have such an eternal perspective and mm-hmm. just, even if I spend a hundred years here on earth and those hundred years are challenging and they're hard and they make me question things like that is, I just can't compare that to eternity. Like no matter what I endure, like it will be worth it 
for Jesus. It'll be Mm -hmm. worth it because we'll be in heaven together one day. So I try to just consider that, you know, Mm -hmm. and earlier we were talking about just like some really, (laughs) some things we were going through just like in the day-to-day life and like, you know, life here is hard. Um, You know, there's those really like tiny things, like as you, as you parent or in your marriage or whatever it may be. Um, And, you know, I can't say that I'm always so like, you know, joyful through all that, but um, at the end of the day, I have that eternal perspective that makes the challenges of the day feel less. Yeah. Yeah, I think anytime we start to get so bogged down with not and I don't want to I don't want to negate the pain like gosh, that's these things right. are painful. But mm-hmm. you're right. A hundred years, you know, say you live to be one of the oldest, 120 years on earth is a blip mm-hmm. in in the scheme of eternity, which is where we're going to be. I mean, we ha- if we have we have to make sure we have the right perspective on eternity so that we can have the right perspective on earth. So, yeah, absolutely. well, because of all this, I want to get to the kind of the reason why I wanted to have you on because it's, we're approaching the holidays and this can be a really, really hard time, um, especially for women who have experienced a loss in the last year, because there's a lot of firsts. So like, this would be the first Christmas, this would be the first Thanksgiving that, or any really in general, just walking through a difficult season and you, because of what you've went through, you have a passion project, a ministry called Lullaby of Hope. And so I want you to talk about that and also just talk about you're a big advocate of caring for those you love through really hard times and not taking a step back, but taking a step in. And so I want to, I want you to talk about Lullaby of Hope and talk about what you mean by taking that step in. Yeah, definitely. So when, you know, when we, we're going through our stillbirth. My first response was, um, I wanted to bury her. Like I really wanted a place for her to rest and for us to visit. Um, you know, and I know that's not everybody's choice, but that's what we decided would be best for our family. And, um, when we were planning her funeral with our pastor, I talked to him about just when I was experiencing my loss, there were so many people who came out of the woodworks and I realized, wow, I'm really not alone. Like this sort of thing happens, but I didn't know anyone seven years ago who had been through a stillbirth. I didn't know a single soul. Um, And so I started to realize that there was a need for someone to speak truth and comfort um, into these women's lives. And so I confided in my pastor and I just told him um, these thoughts um, that I was having. And he was like, well, you know, if God's calling you to this, then you need to do it. And I kind of rolled my eyes because a life serving women who are dealing with grief, um, didn't sound appealing to me in that moment. I was like, Oh, I just can't, I just can't keep stepping into that. Um, but I chose obedience over comfort in that situation. And so, um, we buried Gracia December 6th of 2012, and I gave my very first Lullaby of Hope gift that following January. Mm. So there were a few items that were meaningful to me during my loss that were helpful to me, um, some physical items, of course, spiritual items. Um, and so I just started to collect these items and put them in um, a basket and shared with friends and family that this is something that I wanted to do. Um, in fact, the day that we buried her, um, 
before she had passed, we had already planned that December 13th, we were going to have a worship night. Um, Some very dear friends to us um, hadn't experienced pregnancy loss, but they loved us and their gift is worship. They can sing, they can play instruments, like they're incredible. And so we just planned this night of worship. And so since she passed in the midst of it, I was like, can we still do this worship night, but just like open it up to anyone that wants to come. And so um, we buried her on an incredibly warm, sunny day in December. And then that night, my sister opened up her home and we had this night of worship. And through that night, I told people if they wanted to donate to us, that that money would go towards these gift baskets. So I had a few hundred dollars and um, that's what we used to really start Lullaby. And from that point on, my husband and I just funded the gifts um, for a couple of years. Um, anytime I would hear someone, I just felt this urgency to go and to meet them and to be with them. And so since we're here in Kansas City, I was meeting women at you know, Starbucks and different places, parking lots and handing over these gifts and um, giving them a hug and praying for them. And it just really has evolved from there. Um, and so that's really how Lullaby of Hope began. Um, and now we ship our gifts internationally. Um, so we've grown a lot over the last seven years. And um, I just, you know, obviously my history is in pregnancy loss, but I see people hurting all around me. And I try so much to just be um, like listening to the spirit um, of how I can comfort that person. Um, I know that we're all wired differently, um, but I think it's really important to acknowledge hurt. And I think the best um, beginning stage is just to let people know that you're sorry and that you're praying for them and really pray for them. Um, And from that point on, you know, like if it's an extended friend, if it's, you know, just a friend of a friend, or if it's a close friend, like you'll know within your friendship, like what ways are going to be beneficial to that individual, um, something that's purposeful, something that's meaningful, something that, you know, that they love, um, something that will brighten their day. You know, if you're getting ready in the morning and God puts it on your heart to grab a cup of coffee for a friend and you don't even know if she had coffee yet that day or if she's even going to be home, like you would just be surprised mm-hmm. when you act on those promptings. Um, and I think it's just so important because even times, you know, people might say, you know, I need space. And of course, like give them space, but at the same time, um, make sure you're following up with them and that you are trying to be available for them. And a lot of times, we just need to listen. We don't have to give advice. You're not looking for solutions. Um, just listening is such a comfort. I feel like really just even like what you said, just acknowledging that you see them, you know, you don't have to go this crazy outlandish gift with, you know, the perfectly thought out things. But I know when we, Mm -hmm. one of our rounds failed, um, it was a really, it was, it ended up in a biochemical pregnancy, but it was just a really sad time how we found mm. out. And a friend of mine, I, I didn't even know who it was at first. Cause I just opened, she, um, I opened the door and there was, there were flowers and like this cutest little pumpkin vase I've ever seen. And she had just dropped them <laughs> off and I knew it had to be within this group. So I had sent a group text and I said, who did this? <laughs> and so she, she found, <laughs> she, she was discovered, but it was just, 
so thoughtful that she said, I see this as a hard time for you. I, I acknowledge that. And I'm going to, and I'm going to love on you a little bit. And I don't know what you need, but so I'm just going to say that I see you. Um, and one of my favorite yeah. things to do right now, we all have cash app or Venmo or even, even just the Starbucks e-gift cards, but just sending somebody, I, I try to do it, um, on people's birthday that, you know, we're too far or whatever. And we're not like, you know, we're all adults. We're not buying each other these elaborate gifts for each other for birthdays, but just sending her like $5, <laughs> go get a coffee on me. Um, even just things Aww, like that, just sweet. randomly, you know, surprising people during the week to say, Hey, I see you. I'm thinking about you. God put you on my heart today. Go get a coffee. Um, I think it's just yes. any way to acknowledge that you see their pain. Absolutely. I think that's so great. And so, so sweet and just like easy too, you know, and, and like, they want that. Like who doesn't yeah. want a cup of coffee or to, or just to know, like you're on my mind, yeah. you know, I think that's so important. So that's great. You know, when you're talking about, um, the way that your friend or the flowers you received, like I certainly had situations like that too. When I, um, after my stillbirth, um, I had like a friend of a friend, uh, message me was like, Hey, I'm in your area. Can I stop by? And I was like, sure. <laughs> like I, I kind of know your name, you know, and she brought me, um, a purple orchid and I thought, wow, that is so sweet. You know, I think that we have our inner circle and we expect to hear from our friends. We expect to hear from our best friends. But then like when it, those people kind of on the outer mm -hmm. skirts reach out to you, I feel like that's even a little bit more meaningful. And I see that a lot with Lullaby of Hope and for the gifts that um, requests that we receive. Um, sometimes they're concerned like, well, I don't, I don't know if I want them to know it's from me because I don't know how they're, you know, going to receive it and that sort of thing. And it's just kind of interesting to me because I'm like, you would be surprised yeah. how much they would care to know that it's from you, that you're thinking of them and you wanted to invest in your friendship. You know, it's just, it's really cool. And I also, I had, um, a distant friend make me an apple pie and that like, sometimes I can still taste that pie, Aww, you know, it just was like at such a sweet time and just such a unique, a unique way to love mm -hmm. on me, you know, like, she made me an apple pie. Like that took time. Like I don't like baking. So that like, I know what effort went into yeah. that. And so that was really meaningful to me. Well, I would just love for this podcast to get into the hands of some girls that maybe I know I have, I've had multiple friends through the years. They're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to support you through this, except just to be here. I'm like, that's all you have to do. It's not like you have to read a book about yeah. how do you love on someone who's gone through fertility? How do you love on someone gone through loss? You just have to be there for, you know, just make yourself available. And so I would just love for this to get in, in their ears and listen. Um, cause we all have family or friends who are walking this road of infertility or loss. And so I would just, I think this is just a great time for us to be reminded simple works. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but just reach out, show them that you're thinking about them. Show, tell, acknowledge that you think this could be a hard season for them. Cause the yeah. truth is it is, it is very hard. Mm -hmm. um, the holidays are, are definitely the hardest time I think. Yeah. I mean, I think you see so much good and people come together, you know, over holidays and, you know, conversations happen. And I think a lot of times people say things and they don't necessarily mean what they say, or, you know, we kind of, 
mess up the words in our heads and, and by the time it gets to our heart, we're hurt, you know, and um, I certainly think that it's definitely more difficult. And if we just walk into the holidays with just a lot of grace for one mm-hmm. another um, and lessen our expectations and just know that we're broken people trying to help broken people, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be some hurt along the way, but by golly, it's worth it. It's worth it to, um, to, to really be vulnerable and to reach out and to love people. You know, that is just who Jesus was, you know, and who he is, is, um, he's love and, um, he's about relationships. And so no matter how things can feel tricky or the fears that might rise up, it's still so worth it. It's so worth it. Well, Crystal, thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and then what God's doing with Lullaby of Hope. I think it's such an amazing ministry and one that I hope a lot of people will utilize in the future. Thank you so much. It's been so fun to to be with you today and to share a little bit of my heart. And yeah, it's been great. So thank you so much. I would love for you guys to take her advice. And if you have a friend or family member going through something really hard, um, take that step in. I know we have a lot going on during this time of the year, but it also is a time to be generous with not just our gifts, but our time too. And I know many of you listening are like, hello, we are the people that need to be reached out to. I know. I hope you get that support so badly, but I want to encourage you to plant some seeds. You've heard the saying, you reap what you sow. It's actually biblical. I want you to reach out to someone that needs to be seen and send them a text, buy them coffee, or maybe you want to go to Lullaby of Hope's website and buy a box to send to them if they've experienced loss. Crystal has been so sweet to offer us a free shipping code. Just use JOY at checkout. And remember, let's walk into the holidays with a whole lot of grace because we are all broken people trying to help other broken people. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.